We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There in Nick's land, you are listening to Mensa with an M, X with a J, and Sean with a W. We are the Casual Friday crew over here at Nick's Film School. If you're listening to this on the day it dropped, today is Friday, December 22nd, and we are here to talk about your favorite topic in sports land, the New York Knicks, who have just been off of a successful West Coast trip. We went three and two, losing only to Utah and the Clippers. We beat the Phoenix Suns, the Los Angeles Lakers, and... There's a team I'm missing in there. Maybe we are. Maybe we went two and two. I don't know. We, All right. We went two and two. <laughs> okay. Thank you for correcting three and two, me. There. Three and two on the road because we three and the there we go. Three and two on the road, and we just beat the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. So we are here to talk about what should be a fun episode. So I'll throw it to XJ really quickly, my friend. How are the vibes? The vibes, you know, I would say, I got to say they're optimistic for me. Like I, you know, obviously we all were down about the news about Mitchell Robinson, who is likely probably going to be out for the remainder of the season. I mean, when we all got the eight to 10 weeks kind of estimate, everybody was kind of like, ah, that's really bad. But this is why we have Harnstein to hold it down for a couple months. Now it becomes a different thing, like entirely thinking that Mitchell Robinson is going to be out for the entire season. Now we need to come up with contingent contingencies, alternative plans. But at the same time, I'm generally optimistic. The Knicks, like you said, Mensa, they're coming off of a, a, a road trip where, you know, the only real blemish was that brutal loss to Utah. They lost against the Clippers, but the Clippers have been whew, the Clippers have been going off. So I don't feel too bad about that loss. And, you know, they've now played 17 games on the road um, and only 10 games at MSG, which is kind of crazy. So I think because of the in-season tournament, they're going to have like 30 home games left and 25 road games left. Lots of time at MSG over the final 55 games. Um, so I, I feel optimistic. I think Hardenstein can hold it down. And I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point later in the pod. But yeah, so I, I would say optimistic. I, I A little bit down, just obviously given the Mitch news, but I think things will be okay. And shout out to shout out to you guys. But I wanted to say as well, holding it down last week um, with a great episode that I wasn't able to make it. So you guys killed it. 
Thank you. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, just want to quickly re- react to the Mitchell Robinson stuff that I, of course, left out of my introduction because uh, the vibes, are, I agree, are pretty optimistic in Knicks land, of course, except for the uh, the gut punch we just got last night with the Mitchell Robinson news. Um, the Mitchell Robinson thing is kind of crazy. It is. It came out of nowhere. It's kind of almost PTSD-ish for me because the Knicks have kind of been a little shady. Like in the past with injury news, we thought it was going to be eight to 10 weeks. They never truly, like I still don't know what he had surgery for. Um, And then it's a season ending injury that we find out from a Shams bomb, which kind of sucks. But the reason why I'm not too down about that is because his backup in Isaiah Hartenstein, don't look now, but he is 10th in He's top 10 in defensive EPM, which is a big stat for the New York Knicks. And he can play. He doesn't miss games. So while we're going to miss Mitchell Robinson, we are in good hands with Isaiah Hartenstein. And that should give Knicks fans a lot of um, confidence because, one, we have have another good basketball player. Like I tweeted last night, the Knicks have had two starting um, centers on their team in Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. So we have, all we really need is a guy who can fill in for 12 to 15 minutes a night. And those aren't too hard to find in the NBA, unless your name is Jericho Sims, then you may not be ready. <laughs> but uh, with that being said, I'll pass it over to show and how are the vibes, my brother. Uh, the vibes are, <clears throat> the vibes are festive. You know, it is December 22nd. Uh, three days before Christmas. It is also yesterday, December 21st, is the first day of winter, which is the shortest day of the year. But I also say that means summer is coming because guess what? We are now closer to summer that we are now just as far as last summer as we are to next summer. So keep that in mind. Uh, Cheer up, even though it's cold as hell outside. Uh, But the vibes are festive. Like I said, Nick just went uh, three and two in this road trip, although it's only really a four game road trip because the building east of uh, the building east of the East River. I mean, that's home game was who who we we feeling, who we fooling. Um, And now, listen, we got two games coming up uh, Saturday night and Monday night, Christmas Day against the Milwaukee Bucks. Listen, the first time we played them, um, we played very well, and if RJ Barrett played, maybe we won the game. The second time we played them, um, they had literal flames shooting out of their rear ends from three. So I'd like to see what bullish there is that they have in store for us this time because you can't keep, you just can't, this can't keep happening, right? It's like and to to quote Jesse Pinkman, they can't keep getting away with this. So the fives are festive. I'm going to be in the build on the 23rd. Um, I'm going to have my I'm going to have my Nate Robinson jersey and and Nick's green the slam dunk one because the the, the vibes are going to be festive. The holidays is my favorite time of the year. It's my favorite holiday of the year. Everyone is in a good mood. Um, so those are the vibes. All right, those are some good. Good vibes. Um, really quickly, I don't think I got your opinion on the Mitchell Robinson stuff. Do you want to chime in on that? Um, it freaking sucks, uh, to say the least. Um, I heard, I think John said it yesterday, or somebody said it, uh, that like, maybe that's the explanation uh, to their performance in Utah, because maybe that's when they found out that he was going to be out for the year, and it could have been very deflating. Um Listen, we've un- unfortunately we've been down this road before. Uh, in 2021, we lost Mitch for in January for the remainder of the season, and Nerlens stepped up. Nerlens Noel stepped up in, in a nice role, 
and held it down until the playoffs. But whatever, we're not going to talk about the Rucker. Um, and then even last year, he missed an extended period of time. He ex- missed an extended period of time last year. Um, I've been on record saying that Isaiah Hardenstein is the best backup big in the NBA. I don't want to hear about Bobby Portis. I don't want to hear about Dayron Sharp. I don't want to hear about Gogo Pataze. I don't want to hear about uh, there's a guy I'm forgetting. I don't want to hear about Nick Richards. Uh, shout out to my yard man, Nicholas Rich- Richards, big up yourself. But we are in good hands. And the key for me to see, there are there are things that we can unlock with Isaiah Hardenstein at the center position. Um we will probably get 75%. He will probably provide 75% of the rebounding and, and rim protection that Mitch provides, but we can make up for that in other areas. You know, listen, we all know him. I still, I tell everybody he's the black Jokic. Do your research to figure out why. Uh, that outlet pass he threw against the Nets was amazing. That's just a, that's just a taste. Uh, no more behind-the-back passes in the paint on the basket, Isaiah, please. No more of that. But um, it sucks. And get well soon, Mitch. And his tweet, and not his tweet, his Snapchat Post was just devastated because you could you could read when you read it you could you could hear the frustration in his voice. Um, but listen, get well soon, get back um, get back as soon as you can, healthy. But we're gonna hold it down for you uh, in the meantime. That is very well said, um, and thank you for saying all those things because it reminds me to jump in with XJ here because XJ and I are very early converts to the church of Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, As soon as he got signed and I looked into what he was able to do for the Clippers in a limited role and even with the Houston Rockets, I'm like, this guy can really, really ball. So um, XJ, just a quick, um, I guess, maybe two minute run on your thoughts on a guy like Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah, I I mean, like you said, Mensa, we both really loved Hardenstein. I know that Sean did as well. Mensa, when we first acquired Isaiah Hardenstein, I think we were two people who were like, I don't know, Mitch should not feel comfortable in that starting job because Hardenstein has showed a lot. He showed a lot in L.A., uh, showed a little bit here in, in Denver as well. I just think, at least for me, um, and it's not to downplay the impact that Mitch had on this offense and on this team, I just think that Hardenstein is like a better fit and really like a better component for their offense to, to get away from the identity that they've had, which is, you know, let's run sort of inefficient offense and then just get enough rebound offensive rebounds to, to have an effective offensive output. I believe the term you used was um, rat fake. That was the uh, term rat fake may, may, may have been (laughs) tossed around here or there. (laughs) If I I recall correctly, Um, (laughs) you know, it's, I would say like, it's good to have an identity. Like if you have, and I think that Nick's identity really is their physicality and toughness. It's not necessarily like the offensive rebounds. At least that's how I view it. And I think Hardenstein still brings that physicality and toughness. He's a tough dude. And he also does bring the offensive rebounding. Like you, like you said, Sean, I think like, you know, maybe 75, 80% of the, you know, what Mitch is going to bring, but he has other things. And, um, real quick, I just want to say that, um, in the six games that Mitch has missed, the Knicks have a, an effective field goal percentage of 57.6 true shooting of 61.3 and a raw offensive rating of 123.5 per a hundred, uh, per a hundred possessions. That is that ranks sixth, uh, ninth or ninth, sixth and seventh in the NBA over that time. They've had a crazy, insanely effective offense, despite that, you know, they've dropped out of their usual spot, top of the league in offensive rebounding percentage. So they have shown that the offense runs really fluidly with Isaiah Hardenstein in there. And, you know, the defense hasn't been great, but 
to me, I think that's more about, you know, a Jericho Sims replacing Hardenstein than it is about a Hardenstein replacing Mitchell Robinson. So I think we, we've seen enough from from Hardenstein over the last year and a quarter and as well as, you know, in the earlier parts of his career before he came to the Knicks to know that this guy is a high level player, is a starting caliber center. And I don't think we're going to miss a ton in terms of the offensive impact. It's just how much can he hold it down on the defensive end? And I think he's going to be able to do a good job at it. Yeah, again, very well said. Uh, so the thing about Isaiah Hartenstein for me is, well, two things. He is the closest thing to Joe Kim Noah that Tom Thibodeau has had since Joe Kim Noah. So there is obviously Thibodeau has, um, he's used a, a center with similar skills to Isaiah Hartenstein on the offensive end in a guy like Joe Kim Noah. Another thing about um, Isaiah Hartenstein is as recently as the playoff series against the Miami Heat, he was our best big. Um, I just really want to like hype New York Knicks fans up about what we actually have in Isaiah Hartenstein this season, top 10 in defensive EPM. And the most important thing, especially for a team like the New York Knicks, Isaiah Hartenstein as a New York Knick has not missed a basketball game. So that's really important. So in him, you have a guy who has offensive versatility. When he puts the ball on the floor, I'm not worried about a turnover. Sometimes Mitchell Robinson would get the rebound, put it on the floor, and it would just turn over. I think I think it was like at a ungodly rate. I think it was at one point it was 100% of the time Mitchell Robinson put the ball on the floor was a turnover. Um, I think it was something like a 100% strip rate. And I don't want to disparage Mitchell Robinson. I just want to point out that you're not going to get that with Isaiah Hartenstein. And we have a guy who's going to rebound well. We have a guy who is going to pass the ball. And I think that the New York Knicks offense will be unlocked to a certain extent with a player like Isaiah Hartenstein, who maybe he's not an offensive plus, but he's not an offensive zero. You know, so I'm really excited to see what Isaiah Hartenstein does with this unit. I've always thought that he was a starting center since we got him. And now that he has the opportunity to do it, um, shout out to Tom Thibodeau for well, I guess starting Jericho Sims and then Jericho Sims. It's weird because Jericho Sims, like Isaiah Hartenstein had to be the last man standing to be in this position that he's in right now. Like literally the last man standing. But whatever the situation is, I'm very happy that Isaiah Hartenstein is our starting center and kudos to Leon Rose in the front office for identifying a good basketball player and getting him at, in my opinion, an under the market rate because he's worth more than $9 million a year. So yeah, that's that's enough said about the vibes and about Mitch and about um, Isaiah Hartenstein. We over here at KFS are going to do a quick transition to... Actually, no, I want to stick with the vibes a little bit because today on Nick's Twitter, we had a um, a Becky bomb is what I would call it um, there. The conversation around the Knicks in the, the mainstream media has always been about, well, for this season is about what we are not safe for Kendrick Perkins whenever he talks about us. Everybody else is always, oh, the Knicks don't have a star. And that resurfaced again today with, um, not, not that we don't have a star, we don't have a superstar. And that, again, resurfaced with Becky Hammond saying that the Knicks are what they are. And until they get the guy, they won't be good. And then Kendrick Perkins says, oh, well, what about Jalen Brunson? And then she says, he's too short. So that sparked a bunch of debate because this season, Jalen Brunson is shooting... 45% from three, over 45%, I believe, and scoring 25 points, which is something we haven't seen since MVP Steph Curry eight seasons ago. So we have decided today, especially because of our internal discussions that we have, we want to talk about what it is to be a superstar. Let's jump in on the fun with the mainstream media and at least do it the right way and define what a superstar is and identify 
how many superstars we believe are in the NBA today. So we all have very, very strong opinions on this. But for this one, I'm going to throw it to Sean. Sean, how do you define a superstar? For me, I think it's for me, it's pretty simple. Um, I don't care about off the court stuff. I don't care how many shoes you sell. I don't care how many uh, commercials you're on. I don't care how many Instagram followers you have. For me, it's strictly on the court. And for me, a superstar is a player, the someone who is the best player on a legitimate championship contender. And I'm not going to say championship winner because then all at that point, all we'd be doing is playing the result. I remember a few, I think it was like, yeah, before last season, I think it might've been two seasons ago. I was having a chat on the Twitter app uh, with my homie, Natalie Esquire, who's doing an amazing job with Golden Spaces and brother from another on the Peacock Network. And I was listing who my superstars were and I listed Jokic. She said, well, he hasn't won the championship yet. And I was, and I, and, and to that, I was like, well, just because he hasn't won a championship doesn't mean I don't think he can win one. So that's why I say championship contender, because and now we look back and now we look back at it. We're like, you know, if Jamal Murray doesn't get hurt, they might have two or three of them things by now. Right. So my my definition is very simple. Your team is a legitimate championship contender and you are the best player on that team. Period. I think that's a great definition. I really do. Um, I And it's funny because mine is a little similar, but again, a little different. Uh, but I'll throw it to XJ. XJ, what is your definition of a superstar? Yeah, I, I mean, this is it's such an interesting question. And we've had obviously had a ton of conversations about this internally inside the the, the halls of, uh, you know, the faculty uh, staff room in the back there. I I don't know. I I think I have a little bit of a different take than probably both of you is what I'm assuming. Um, so and I, and I also want to ask Sean a question about his definition, but I'll say mine. So to me, a superstar is a player who theoretically <laughs> could have a shot at winning a championship on like a realistically constructed team as the best player on a team that did not have a teammate at the same level as him. So to me, that's really, that's a really important part. So he has to be the kind of clear best player on that potential championship team. So it's not like, because I would say, okay, do you guys think, do you guys think Lowry Markin is a superstar? No, no. Do you guys think that Paul George is a superstar? No, no. Okay. Well, I think he imagine- has superstar talent, but I don't think he's a superstar. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. But if we had to put him A, B, superstar, not superstar, you would say no, though, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, but imagine a team that had, let's say, Jalen Brunson, Paul George, Lowry Markinen, Julius Randle, and like Isaiah Hartenstein or Mitchell Robinson and a good bench. Do you think that team could contend for a championship? Yes. Sean, that team's stacked. Sean, I, listen. No, I the said, team is very stacked. But we okay. But we've seen. I've seen a lot of stacked teams not win championships. Now win, uh, contend. Seen, you, you, your definition. You say contender. You didn't say win. You say contender. What's your definition of a contender? <laughs> I was going to so, ask you that. That's okay. what I was going to ask you. So, to me, a contender, and I think this is a pretty good baseline definition. A contender is any basketball team that can win two playoff series. I would say can win three. 
I would can probably go three. with three. I would probably okay, go with three. Okay, can win yeah. three. Because yeah. to me, if you can win two, you can win three. Because once you're in the conference finals, anything can happen. So I guess can win three is a good is is a better way to put it then, for sure. But like, for instance, like um, during the regular season last year, I wouldn't have called the Heat a championship contender, you know? But and clearly, I, you, they could have won three. <laughs> Aberration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aberration. Okay, fine, fine. But it, it, by Mensa's definition, would you say that team, Sean, is a championship contender? The one that I said with that has Brunson, Paul George, Lowry Markin, and Julius Randle in a, in a really good center like Isaiah Hartenstein or, or Mitchell Robinson. I feel like that team has a fatal flaw. So no, no, they're not a contender, you would say? Like they, that team would win 66 games in the regular season. And then get to the playoffs and it wouldn't, I don't think it would work. And we'd be like, how come this team didn't even get to the conference finals? <laughs> all right. That's all right. That's a fair take. I think that's a championship contender. Mensa, you seem to agree with that. My point by saying that hypothetical is that that team would be a championship contender, but that best player on that team would not be still not be a superstar. Cause you said Lowry Market is not, you said that Paul George is not unless you're saying Jalen Brunson is they, they would be a contender without having a superstar on the team. So a superstar is not a necessary component of a championship contender. That's, that's what I'm extrapolating from that like thought experiment. So but my point, my point is to say that I think that the, the, the superstar has to be a player who is on a championship contender without a teammate that is like on their level. Because on that team that I just said, all those guys or a bunch of those guys are on a similar level. Brunson, Markkinen, Paul George. I kind of put all three of those guys like in a similar range as far as like stardom in the NBA. So, so to me, that's a really important aspect of it. And then the other thing I wanted to say is that I just think it has to be theoretical. It can't be like retrospective because even Sean, like you mentioned, Jokic was a superstar and really the best player in the NBA before he won a championship, right? Currently, Embiid is clearly a superstar. Like he's going to win his second MVP if things keep going how they're going. SGA, I think, is a superstar right now. It has not sniffed the championship or done anything really in the playoffs at all. So uh, to me, those guys are still superstars. But so it's it's more theoretical than it is like based on what have we seen them do in the playoffs or anything like that. So that's that's kind of really those are the two main components of my definition. Okay, another really good definition. And for the record, I don't disagree with either of you two. Um, I personally, like for for me to call somebody a superstar, and I guess I'll get into that now, it's a multifaceted decision for me. So you need to be a superstar on the court. So you have to have superstar productivity. Um, that's where I rely on the numbers to give me that data. I rely on impact metrics or whatever information you want to, to point to. I think that you kind of have to be unanimous across all of the impact metrics, right? You can't just like EPM can't like you, but um, BPM can't like VORP, like all these impact metrics or count or counting stats, advanced stats, whatever you want to call them. They, there just has to be a, a, a consensus about you. That's the first thing for me. The second thing is you have to be a leader. Um, I mean, this one is a little like on and off because you can say James Harden was absolutely a superstar, but may not have been a leader. But to me, that's important. You do need to be a leader on your team in order to be a superstar. And everybody leads differently. I'm not talking about the the vocal 
Josh Hart style of leadership. You know, there's also the Jalen Brunson lead by example kind of leadership. You don't have to, you know, take your guys out to dinner, but there, but people do need to look to you on the team and know that's our leader. That's our guy. That's important to me. So the reason why I say that is because you have a guy like Derek White, who this season has superstar productivity. He's unanimous across pretty much all the stats. They agree that this guy is having some of the best impact in the league. However, when the team looks to him, the Boston Celtics, they're not looking at Derek White, come take us home. You know, that's Jason Tatum's role. So that so that's another rung that you have to knock off for me. And the third thing for me where I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but I do believe that playoff success matters because the reason why is because that is like the psychological element of being a superstar, because when the games are weighted more, are you going to fold? Right. Does your game check out? In terms of can what works in the regular season for you, because we've seen teams like the the Steve Nash Suns and the Suns are a different are a little difficult to discuss because we don't know what would have happened if they didn't get thrown out of the game against the Spurs in 2007. Right. That team may have been the best one and it could have gone forward. But you do need to be your game needs to check out to me. What I mean is when. Like when, you know, things get more difficult, when teams are geared to stop you, when teams are and everybody's playing for everything on the line, whether it's this game here, it's it's game six in Philadelphia. We are up three two. We win this game. We go to the next round. What do you do in that moment? That matters to me. Because there is a psychological element to sports, right? Everything isn't weighted the isn't isn't weighted the same. Like fourth quarter baskets and first quarter baskets, theoretically, not even theoretically, absolutely count the same. A three in the third quarter makes is, is three points in the fourth. It's three points in the um in the second. It's three points in crunch time. It's three points at the at tip off. It all counts the same. But we know as fans when we watch the game that a bucket with 37 seconds left in the game feels more intense, right? So what what are you in these intense moments? That to me is very important, which is why I weigh playoff success. I need to see you at least get to a conference finals before I can call you a superstar, right? So there are a couple guys who I believe can be superstars, but I can't stamp you until I see it just because I want to see you, like you need to be impervious, in order for me to call you a superstar. And I think that is why the NBA, while there are 30 teams, and while you have a bunch of guys who have very, very good regular season impact, you can't necessarily call them a superstar, right? So for me, I love Joel Embiid, two-time MVP for sure. He's going to be the MVP this year. I can't call him a superstar because his game has not checked out for me. And I know that's a controversial take, but when he gets the ball in the post, he's a little bit of a slow decision maker. He tends to turn the ball over because there's less space. His game doesn't necessarily check out or has not checked out. He can go to the conference finals this year and shut me up. But until I see it, that is personally a requirement for me. So again, just to wrap up, you have to have three things. You have to one, have the superstar productivity. Two, you need to be a leader and three, like, well, not a leader, you need to be the leader. And three, which also um, kind of talks off of what XJ is saying about being the, the best guy, like everybody knows you're the guy kind of thing. So one, productivity, two, leadership, three. Um, accomplishments. Uh, I want to say, but it's more than, a, it's it's not accomplishments. It's, it's like um, accomplishments in high leverage situations. Right, right. Um, 
it's it's weird. It's like high level invulnerability. I don't know. Like like when you're in those high leverage moments, do you check out? That's what I, I don't really have the word for it, but that's that's what I'm trying to to get at. And we can kind of only get that in the playoffs. Where who are you consistently in big moments is is what it really is. And that for us as fans of the game of basketball comes only in the NBA playoffs. So, oh wait, I'm the host. Um, so yeah, I'll throw. <laughs> I was getting ready to stop talking. <laughs> yeah. So XJ, um, with that being said, do you have any like retorts or bounce offs for for what I just said? Yeah, yeah, and I I I totally appreciated what you said. Like, I think all of it makes sense to me. Like, I don't think it's like crazy or anything like that. It makes it makes total sense. Um, I guess I just have a couple questions about it. So. First, the first question I have is, do you agree that like superstars, whoever you consider as such, can have like poor stretches of games or at least like relatively poor stretches of games across a season, maybe like a six game stretch where they don't play so well or something like that? Definitely. Okay. So how do you know if let's say they get to the playoffs and have a poor stretch of games? How do you know it's not just a poor stretch of games as like all superstars can have, or it's actually indicative of like, they are, they, they perform worse in these high leverage playoff situations. Like, how do you know the difference? Because if you're a superstar and you have the superstar productivity, chances are you're always going to be in the playoffs, right? So we can't say that after one season, like with Julius Randle, when he had the first bad running the playoffs. I wasn't willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And to me, I'm still kind of out on Julius Randle in the playoffs, even though everybody knows that he's the worst high usage basketball player in playoff history, blah, 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 because he also got injured, right? So it's a little difficult there. The sample size isn't necessarily there. But with a superstar, year after year after year, you're always going to, you're going to be in the playoffs, right? Like Embiid, when he's healthy, does not miss the playoffs. He's always there. No matter who's on his team, Joel Embiid will get you to the playoffs. So over time, like, yeah, if it's just a six game sample size, then yeah, I'm not going to say, well, who knows what happened there, right? But at a certain point, it comes to like the sample size is no longer small, right? A six game sample size in three seasons becomes a 25 game sample size or a 32 game sample size. Like if you're consistently getting there and consistently coming up short, you know, like with James Harden, James Harden every year was in the playoffs with the Houston Rockets. Right. But every time it came down, it came down to it. What ended up happening with James Harden? He would fall short. Right. So that's and he would get to the conference finals. So he's another he's another case that like he fell short in the largest of moments. But as the moments got bigger, he could still get you there, right? But I guess the answer is that to me, at a certain point in time, like you just know, like as a human being there, you just know when you have to be your best, right? You can't say, oh, I was just having a poor stretch of games. No, not if you're the superstar. And that is, and I understand that it's unfair, but the idea of an NBA superstar is a basketball player who provides an unfair advantage over everybody else because nobody else is as good as that guy. And there's so few of that many guys in the league at a time, in the world at a time, that having one by itself on its face is unfair. So I tend to have, I guess, an unfair and unreasonable standard. But at the same time, it is it kind of just is what it is. You have to get it done. And you could be having a poor stretch of games, but that can't be the excuse three and four seasons in a row. 
Yeah, and I think that that that's totally fair. That makes sense. So if they are repeatedly getting to the playoffs and then they're having that poor stretch of games consistently, I would also start to look at like, okay, is there something about their game that's not translating to the playoffs? Is there something about their game that's exploitable across a long extended series? So I could totally see that. I guess the only thing I would say is that I feel like this makes it so that by your definition, you can't necessarily project a superstar. Like you can't say this guy's a superstar until you've seen the evidence. So a guy like SGA essentially can't be a superstar to you until he's like done some damage in the playoffs. Is that right? I would say that SGA is on track to be a superstar. I would say Tyrese Halliburton is on track, for example, to be a superstar. Chet Holmgren is on track. They're on that superstar trajectory because you first have to be excellent in the regular season. But I can't say personally that they are indeed superstars because I need to see that you are infallible in the playoffs. To answer your question, um, I don't want to okay. make this too much of a back and forth. So yeah, I'll just yeah, yeah. go to no, Sean. That's good. Um, Sean, what say you, my friend? Chad is on his way to being a superstar. He's been in this league 10 minutes. Like, definitely, like, definitely been there. But look, from the sample size that I'm evaluating, Chet Holmgren is on his way, right? He's not there. And it's a much longer way to go than it is for a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander or a guy like um, who, um, Tyrese Halliburton, who've been in the league longer, or even a guy like Paolo Boncaro who also has a very long way to go before we can call him a superstar. But we can see from early on, like, hey, this guy could be it, you know? And that's that's all I'm saying is from the sample size I'm evaluating, pal, um, Chet is checking off the boxes. Okay. Um, I would say, so for my definition, when I say the best player on a championship team, that kind of includes some of the things that you said, because in order to be the best player on a championship team or a championship contender, there are things that you are going to have to deal with that very few people in the NBA can deal with because in the playoffs, basically everyone is trying to make you play left-handed. And when, and when you're in a playoff series and everyone knows your tendencies, your strengths, your weaknesses, your deficiencies, and they're trying to take away what you like to do best, you have to be able to either A, overcome it anyway, or B, say, all right, then I'll let me do A, well, I'm going to do B, and they can't stop it. Um, and those are the players that are the superstars because those are, and that's why I'm able to project that. And I understand where you're coming from, Chet. And that's why, like, I think Embiid is a superstar because Embiid has a, you can't fuck with me level that I think he can reach because of his size and his ability and what have you. Uh, so for me, that's why there's some, that's why there's some people who people throw that superstar label around. I'm like, uh, 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 because when it came down to brass tacks, and you couldn't, for example, Mr. Harden, Mr. Harden shows it in the playoffs and what he likes to do all year, he can't allow, not allowed to do anymore. And poof, gone. That not a superstar to me. Like when you're complaining to the refs of the game too, like it's called a fouls now, like you called him in the regular season. Uh-uh. You're not a superstar. Please get out of here. Sean, Sean, real quick. But you, so you haven't beat as a superstar, right? Yes. But Embiid hasn't shown it yet in the playoffs. Like at has because you, I agree with you. Like, and I also think this is Embiid's best season, and I think he's improved in areas that may have been exploited in the past. His passing has got better. His processing has gotten better. So I actually think when he makes the playoffs this year, he's much more likely to do more damage than he has in the past. But he hasn't really shown it 
in the playoffs like that. Like I think he had one good playoff run and the rest of the time has been way below his standard. I would say that, and no, you're right. But I would, what I would say is that MB's playoff failures aren't necessarily like, Oh, we took him away. We prevented him from doing this. We, he, we stopped him from doing that. Like, and this is where, and some people may think this is excuses or whatever, but like, you know, listen, we like to apply nuance and context of things. So I look at like, for example, in 2019, that team fell off a cliff every time he wasn't on the floor. And if the ball doesn't bounce, if the ball doesn't bounce a certain way in Toronto, maybe he's in a conference final. If he doesn't get elbowed in the face in game three against Toronto in 2022, maybe he's in a conference final. If his co-star, if he's if his co-star point guard isn't hanging out on a dump dunker spot, taking a piss down his leg because he didn't want to do anything in the fourth quarter. Forced him to play four on five on a on 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 a torn meniscus. Maybe he's in a conference final now. One could say, well, he's injured all the time and he could overcome that. Whatever. So that is where the projection comes from. Me, listen, it could blow up in my face. I could be completely wrong, and if I'm wrong about Embiid, I'll be the first person to come here and 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 cop. And I won't cop, please. I'll just say yes. But that's why I will give him. I will give him that. Give him that. Uh, that label. Okay. Okay. That, 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 I just wanted to, I just wanted to understand that part. Cause uh, I think what I'm noticing, at least for me, but the differences between your definitions, you know, Sean and Mensa is that Mensa, basically you need to see it first. You can project, you can say they're on this trajectory, but they are not it until you've seen it. And Sean is, is more so on the side of like, I can project that forward based on what, the, what I've seen from them um, in the regular season already. Yeah, definitely. So I think that I think what would do, what would differentiate my definition from your two is that XJ yours is in theory. Sean yours kinda is in theory because there's that project like there's that projection with certain guys that you're willing to call superstars before you see it. I personally am not willing to call anybody a superstar until I see it because there just needs to like you see Sean like you're saying that Embiid had you know like he was let down by his teammates time and time and time again. I remember when I was 13 years old and LeBron James was playing the Boston, I'm sorry, he was playing the Detroit Pistons in 2007 and scored 25 straight points to win a basketball game. This is what I'm talking about, about superstars being un fair because the only reason the Pistons lost is because they didn't have LeBron James. That's what I'm saying about like, that's a superstar to me. And most superstars have those kind of moments and you can get that moment over the course of your career. But to me, MB doesn't have that playoff moment, that superstar. I'm him and you're not moment. So until I see it, I can't call him a superstar. And I think because he's been in the league 10 years that the jury is pretty much back. But um, this is actually a really good way to transition to um, who we think in the NBA is a superstar right now. So XJ, really quickly, if you have a small list, a large list, however long your list is, if you would just want to rattle off some names of guys who are superstars, in your opinion, today in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, and, and I want to say real quick, because I think I think it's so interesting because in terms of uh, level of theoreticalness that we're ascribing to it, like mine is most theoretical. Sean's like in the middle and you're the furthest Mensa. So I think there's like a tier there. And um, I think that's probably represented in my list. So I would say the list is like for sure, for sure. Superstars, like no doubt 
to me is Jokic, Embiid, SGA, Giannis, Steph, Tatum, Derek White. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not Derek White. <laughs> He's reading Ducks and Grease. <laughs> but that dude's ridiculous, though. Um, <laughs> um, and then and then on the more speculative end, I still have a couple other guys. I have Luca, um, Kawhi, because you know Kawhi is his whole his whole essence is theoretical at this point. Um, LeBron, I think, still can be in this category even to this day. I, I, I you know, I, again, more speculative. Um, LeBron and also Halliburton. So I would have those guys as like kind of like borderline, but I would probably still include them. The other one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys I think are for sure superstars. So that's my list. That's a solid list. Um, a little. I have a few. Just a quick question. You said Luka Doncic is a theoretical superstar. You have him yeah. on the theoretical. I have him on a theoretical. That's yeah. that. That one is interesting to me. Um, I kind of can see why because Luka Doncic in the rec- like he's had some up and down regular seasons where his reputation is of a guy who is like this hundredth percentile, um, EPM score, but he's kind of not really been that, especially with the three-point shooting, a lot of volume, not a lot of accuracy. Um, So can you expound on that? Why is Luka Doncic theoretical, but not actual? Yeah, he's more theoretical to me because really because of his play style. Like, I'm not sure that that is is really conducive to, to, to really the highest level of success. I think the ball dominant level that he's at, um, I don't think it works as well with like really high level components. So again, like in my definition, it's like, again, it's very theoretical. It's theoretically like on a team, like a well-constructed team, could they win a championship? So it's not even on the team that he currently has. It's just like, even if I gave him better pieces, would he be able to take those pieces and actually elevate the sum of the parts to be more than the whole, to be greater than the whole? or the whole to be greater than the sum of the parts to actually then take them to the next level to win a championship. And to me, I think if you put another really high level, maybe two a type of guy, you put a Jalen Brunson next to him and he kind of subdues their ability to, to be their best selves. So that to me is what makes him more of a theoretical superstar is his compatibility with other players in order to, to actually win a championship moving forward. Go ahead, Sean. Can you read? Can you tell me your list of bona like legit superstars again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- Jokic, Embiid, SGA, Giannis. Hey, I'm writing this down. I'm writing this down. Jokic. Oh, oh I didn't know you were writing that. SGA, Embiid, SGA, Giannis, Giannis, <laughs> Steph, and Tatum. Steph, Tatum. Okay. All right, cool. Go ahead, Mensa. Just wanted to jump back in on the Luca stuff. I think that's actually, and this is why discussions are great. Um, I think that's a great point because Luka Doncic does play a very heliocentric style of basketball. And it's a problem that I have with a certain player on our roster because I find that even though that player can be so individually great and we, and there's no, there's no need for us to discuss Luka Doncic's individual greatness. We've seen it, right? Is that style of play going, especially when you're not the best defender, does that style of play elevate guys? And we've seen 
time, you know, we've seen it that, hey, Luka Doncic elevates himself, right? But is he going to elevate the other guys on his team? Am I going to see Tim Hardaway Jr. win a basketball game for the Dallas Mavericks, for example? And even if Tim Hardaway Jr. on your theoretical team isn't there, and he probably shouldn't be, but even, but a guy like, will he put Derek White in a position, even though Derek White by himself is in that position? So that's Derek White's going to put example. himself in the position. <laughs> exactly. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to Knicks Film School where we love Derek White. Um, yeah, so I, I see what you're saying, though, is what I want to say. And I think that it's a really solid point and it makes for great debate. So, Sean, let's um, with that being said, do you have a list of guys who you believe are superstars in today's NBA? You're damn right I do. Uh, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Um, I just cleared the health and safety, pro- safety protocols yesterday. All right. So I got seven guys. I got seven. I got eight guys. One of them has an asterisk. And then I got two guys to, in special categories. So in no particular order, these are my superstars. Stephen Curry, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, Nicole Jokic, Jason Tatum. The guy with the asterisk is Kevin Durant. And I, I put him an asterisk because that dude has not played 65 games since 2019, right? So, like, you, you know, you got to be in it to win it. Like, I think he has the ability, but you got to be in it to win it. And that's the reason. And honestly, Kawhi was not on this list until this year because um, guess how many games Kawhi Leonard has missed this year? I'll give you all a hint. It's less than one. Um it's about to be actually missing. He's actually <laughs> yeah. missing it. Like as we're recording, he's actually going to miss his first game tonight with the hip. Oh, injury. Oh. Yeah. The first game. Yeah. Of yeah, the yeah, season, yeah. which is excellent for Kawhi Leonard. So recently. when people yeah. watch this, Sean, you're going to be inaccurate. So just so you know, yeah, well, <laughs> well, going into t- going in as of Wednesday night, it was less than one. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then I have LeBron as superstar Meredith because he's LeBron. Right. <laughs> And I think it kind of. What goes does that the, mean, Sean? Well, you know, it kind of goes to the definition that you gave. Like, if you put LeBron on a really well constructed team, could they win the championship? Him as his best player, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then, lifetime honorable mention is Jimmy Butler because he's always honorable mention like i can't put him as a superstar and then i look up i'm like this motherfucker is in the finals again like and he or he's like i or he's like wow jimmy just took a three and if he hits a shot they're in the finals right but i just can't put him i just can't put him there but he's lifetime honorable mention but there's eight there's eight guys for sure like from my definition there's seven guys and durant gets the asterisk What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specific 
specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy sports made easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another really solid list. XJ, do you have any cross-examinations for him? <laughs> uh, the, the only one I would cross-examine is Durant. Like, I don't know. At this stage, I don't see Durant being able to, like, even meet your standard, Sean, for a superstar. Like, I don't think he can be, you know, the best player on a championship team. I don't think he... I mean, to, unless, again, you know, maybe this is just by my definition, which would be valid. Unless he's with a guy like Booker, a guy that's almost or just as good as he is, you know, I don't really see him being able to take a team. If you put Durant on any of these other teams, you put Durant on Philly. Philly's like a you know a play-in team, in my opinion. So that I don't I don't see Durant as up there with the rest of these guys. If you switched Julius Randle for Kevin Durant, what what are the Knicks? Yeah, they'd be better, but like honestly, one, I don't know how much better. I'm I, I'll be honest. You don't with think you. they can and, make the finals? And if they do, it's because that team is really good. Like Brunson, like that's a real the Knicks have a really well, good team. I think we all will acknowledge that. It's not just based on Durant's back. You know what I mean? I, well, every good like every championship team has good players. So it's not like like I find it. So you're telling me if you switched out, if you you saying if you switched Embiid for Durant, they're a playing team. Yeah, I think they're fighting for like the six, the sixth spot in the East. Yeah, I think Embiid is so much better than Durant at this state. Like, it's not they're not in the same like tier at all. Like, the that's funny how thing, I do it. The funny thing is for me, and then we can get to Mensa's list. Like, every time I watch Kevin Durant play, I'm like, yo, like you can't stop him at like you can't like. He just don't play enough and, you know, injuries and da, da, da. that's why I'm like, ah, 
I don't, I don't know. Like, like for me, like the term used to be playing left-handed, but we are a more inclusive society now, but like you can't play, you can't make Kevin Durant play left-handed. He's like, I'm going to get to my spot. And it's not a damn thing you can do about it. And That's so, true, what, but he also can't make you play left-handed anymore. His defense has not been up to par to what it's been, you know, the last yeah. several years of his career. So that's where that his offense is insane. He's shooting like 46% from three. Like yeah. he's still having a KD offensive season, maybe even better than some of his offensive seasons. But uh, his defense has fallen way off to me. That's fair. Um, and I guess I didn't get to cross his MU, but we can do that after Mensa gets his list. Cause there's one guy on your list. That I'm like, I, I wrote down your list. There's one guy on your list. I wrote a question mark next to, but we'll get back to, we'll get to him later. Yeah, we'll get back to it. <laughs> okay. Sounds like I'm on the clock. So without further ado, I'm going to give you guys my superstar list that I have broken down into three napkin superstar um, <laughs> into three napkin categories, right? So the first category is guys who have done it and still can. The second category is guys I believe can do it. And then the third category is regular season studs as superstar impact. But guys, I do not believe their games translate to the postseason, otherwise known as the fraud category. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) here we go. So for guys who Uh. have done it, and still can. And now this list is barring health because obviously everything is barring health, right? So first up, LeBron, the superstar, superstar. Kawhi Leonard, a guy who I believe is the game's best two-way player. Uh, Nikola Jokic, the basketball breaker. We have Giannis on this list. We have Steph Curry, the basketball breaker before the basketball breaker. We have Jason Tatum, game smooth like butter and just always, always, always shows up big. A guy like Jimmy Butler, I would not have had them had him on this list, but XJ, I really liked your definition in terms of in theory, can a guy be the best player? Theoretically, if he has the right pieces around him. So I don't want to hold Pat Riley's incompetence against him. Um, <laughs> and Luka Doncic, a guy who has taken his team to a conference finals and we got that great meme of him and Devin Booker. Um, so that's my list of guys who have done it and I believe still can do it. Guys, I when believe you done, when you say done it, what is it? It have gotten okay. So for me, it's get can you get me to a conference finals? Right. Okay, so go ahead. Guys okay. who have who have shown up big in the playoffs, basically. Okay. Right. So guys, I believe can do it, but I have not seen them do it yet. Right. So, and this is guys as as the best player on a team to make it to a finals. Now, there's a list, there's a player on this list that Chris Persianin might punch me for, but it just is what it is. Um, so guys, I believe can do it, but I haven't seen do it. Shea Gilgis Alexander is at the top of this list. He's been excellent this season. He is just every season he's been in Oklahoma City, he's gotten better and better and better. And he is a guy who is heliocentric, but his game is just so smooth. You can't stop him getting downhill. He's excellent. A guy I believe can be will be will have that superstar label at some point in his career. Another guy that I love and was not on this list until this season when he decided, oh, I can shoot threes now. And that is one D Aaron Fox. That kid is special and a half. I think that he is giving you that superstar impact when he's not necessarily he's fringe top 20 in EPM. But I think that in the playoffs, I saw a lot from him last year. And I think that he can be a guy to get you to the top, which is a lot for me to say because I have a, a personal like there's a 
like a height requirement for me as well, but that's that's kind of stupid. But he's six four. I kind of think got you got to be six six and above. But De'Aaron Fox, flat out stud. I think he can be a superstar in this league. Has not gotten it done at the playoff level. Anthony Davis, I believe, can be can get it done in the playoffs. We've seen him as the second best player on a championship team, and because of health, we have will probably never see him um, as a as the best player on a championship team. Just again because of the health, I think he's been. He hasn't been the best Laker, but I think he's been the most important Laker this season because the offense hasn't been great, but the defense has been outstanding. A lot of that is Anthony Davis. Another guy, the guy that Chris will punch me for because he believes he should be on the first list here, which is the guys who have done it, is Devin Booker. I don't think Devin Booker was the best player on the um on the the Phoenix Suns team that went to the finals. I still believe that was Chris Paul. Um we can discuss that at a later date, but Devin Booker is a guy because he had flame shooting out of his ass last year in the playoff. It was ridiculous. The run he went on. So I do believe that he can get it done if he had the right team around him. And finally is a guy that I still don't believe in, but I have to put him here because he's starting to show me who he is, is Anthony Edwards, a guy who I believe is on that superstar trajectory. We haven't really, he's slowed down. He's cooled himself down in the, in, in the regular season, but I mean, he, Everybody would tell you he's the best player on the best team in the NBA right now, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So you got to give him that respect. And I think that his game will will show. I think he has a playoff proof game. Three level scorer, really good basketball player, plays on both ends. And here is a short list of guys, regular season studs, guys who I believe have superstar impact in the regular season, but I don't believe their games translate to the postseason. And I need to add a name here, but I'll do that live. So here's the list of guys. It's a list of five basketball players, regular season studs, superstar impact. I will acknowledge the superstar impact. I just don't believe their games for whatever biases that I have. And I'll acknowledge those biases as well. So here we go. We have the number one regular season stud who I don't believe in in the playoffs is Tyrese Halliburton. I think Tyrese, great basketball player. Um, the the second percentile defensive EPM kind of doesn't matter when you are as effective and productive as he is in on offense. And I want to give him his respect and I want to give him his flowers, even though I believe that the way he plays the game is a very regular season brand of basketball. And as you get less transition opportunities, as half court defenses tighten up, I'm not sure Tyrese Halliburton has enough individual ball handling ability and shot creation juice to remain a superstar in the playoffs. We will see at some point, maybe not with the Spacers team because they suck, but I'm sure that as, and I I do believe in Kevin Pritchard and what, um, and Rick Carlisle and what they're doing in Indiana. I do believe that they will slowly but surely put the right guys around them. And then we will be able to have that discussion. So for me, the jury is out, but a guy I personally don't believe in. Another guy is James Harden. James Harden gets to the Clippers. It's all ass. And then, oh, wait, let's just not start Russell Westbrook. And now they're on this great run. So this is a guy who has excellent impact in the regular season, has continually had excellent impact in the regular season. But because he is a foul merchant and you get less foul calls in the regular in the postseason, his game tends to teeter off. And we saw it. We see it time and time again. We saw it last year against the um, the Boston Celtics. And basically every year we see it with James Harden. So that's a guy who I believe his game does not impact does not um, translate to the postseason, but is superstar impact in the regular season for sure. Another guy there, and hey, we never know, but this is more like a mentality play for me, but Carl Anthony Towns, I believe Carl Anthony Towns has superstar impact um, when he, like, and we 
this guy is a person that everybody calls a fraud is this and that third thing is soft. And we kind of see the soft stuff come up in the playoffs, but this is a guy that I'm not sure his game will translate to the playoffs, not because he isn't excellent, but I just don't think he has the the mental makeup to be the best player on a championship team. But when it comes to talent, you can't deny Carl Anthony Towns. And he's showing this season that he's a very good basketball player, a guy that I personally think is a regular season stud, but not a superstar. And the fight, and then we have Joel Embiid for reasons I stated earlier in the podcast. Superstar impact, going to be the two-time MVP this year. But because of his processing speed in the play in the postseason, where he needs to catch the ball, it's easy for him to be doubled and for guys to recover because he kind of likes to have the ball in the middle of the paint. So you recover middle and then you get back out. It makes it difficult for him. And we've seen his impact fall off time and time again in the playoffs. Another impact, another issue here is, and I said this really doesn't matter, but with Embiid, it kind of always does, is the lingering injuries. Like he's not the most durable. So as the season gets longer is the more likely he is to be dealing with an ailment. And that becomes a baked in excuse, even though he's on the court. So Embiid is a guy that I believe regular season stud, but probably doesn't have what it takes to be the guy at the championship level. And finally, one Julius Randle. Julius Randle is a much maligned basketball player by the guy who is on the mic right now. I'm not the biggest Julius Randle guy, but time and time again, we see Julius Randle just have an impact that is great. He's never he's never really had the superstar impact, but this is a Knicks podcast, so I'm going to bring up a New York Knicks. He's never really had superstar impact in the way that he's a top 10, top 15 impact metric kind of guy. He's never really been there this year. If we throw out that ridiculous start that he had because of probably still dealing with that ankle ailment since he's been going crazy, I think for the month of December, I think he has like a 656 true shooting percentage or something wild. Like he's been playing excellent basketball. So the guy that we're seeing over the last month or so has had superstar impact on our New York Knicks. But when it comes to the playoffs and this is not, and I'm not holding his past playoff performances against him. I'm not holding the Atlanta series against him. I'm not holding the Cleveland and Miami series against him because he was injured, but just watching him play, it takes about two to three seconds to set him up. And then it takes him another five minutes to decide what he wants to do. And then if the double comes another two, three seconds to get rid of the ball, I just don't think that he will have the same time and levity that he's afforded in the regular season to be great. We will see. This is kind of the put up or shut up year for Julius Randle, because if he does it in the playoffs this year, then there's nothing anybody can say to him. But I just believe because of, the the amount of time it takes for him to decide on a basketball court what he wants to do and even get set up, I don't think those opportunities will be afforded to him. So we'll probably see the impact drop. So I will throw it to XJ first for your cross-examination, my friend. Oh, I I was going to let... I mean, I, it was a beautifully constructed list. I appreciated the, the categories and, and, and the differences. And I, I like particularly that your regular season studs who you don't believe can get it done in the playoffs, the the, uh, the short name for them is frauds. It's a very incendiary alternative title that you have for that category of players. Who, um, but yeah, no, I don't... I don't I, I'd rather uh, Sean do the, the cross-examination. Sure, Sure, let's go to Sean. All right. So purpose of this conversation, everyone under Luca. So that was like that's the SJ Fox AD, whatever. Whatever, get out of here. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's like get, get out yeah. of here. Basically. Um, so I mean, I don't so 
I don't really have a problem with anyone on your list. I mean, guess the only one I, the only one that I had that you have that I would is Butler. But then again, I said Jimmy is super is you know lifetime honorable mention. So that's um that's understand. That's that's fine. Um. Yeah, I don't really like. I think your 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 tiers are interesting. I actually have a list of. Uh, we can get that later. I have a list of like guys who I think can that guys in the league I think can get to that superstar level, and then I have a list of guys that people slap that word on that I would not. But yeah, for your list, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it at at all for the top eight anyway. Okay, so tier one, for, I should say. So for just, I want to relist my tier one for people so they don't have to like go back five minutes past a rant. Um, so my guys who have done it and still can, bona fide superstars list, I have LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, and Luka Doncic. So XJ, let's throw it to you. Do you have any questions, comments, concerns for my list? No, I mean, I the only one that stands out to me is Butler. I mean, I don't have Butler in this category that you both have him in. I mean, for sure he's good. he's done it before. Like, but to me, like at least in my in terms of my definition, what you've done in the past is not relevant at all. It's all theoretical, like moving forward. And I don't see it from Jimmy. Definitely this year, he seems like he's having a down year. He kind of not even kind of, he completely fell off in the playoffs last year. He kind of did the most that he could. And then it was just, he ran out of gas. It seemed like, and we haven't seen it from him since maybe I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking too soon and all oh, the Miami heat are going to get me. I don't know, but I don't feel that way, but I don't feel threatened by Welcome. the heat. I don't, I don't really feel threatened by Butler or anything like that right now. So that's, that's where I, that's the only issue I have with the, obviously, you know, we have a lot of overlap in our lists, which makes sense. You have LeBron and Kawhi who I, and, and Luca who I have, have as kind of like more speculative because I'm not sure that they can still get it done, but I'm, I don't have any issues with you and Including them. Okay. So just to defend the Jimmy Butler um, position of it all, Jimmy Butler is like, I like how Sean has him as like the lifetime honorable mention. And that's a lot because in the regular season, he's kind of never that guy. Like last year, don't get me wrong, Jimmy was the guy and a half in the regular season last year. He was excellent, but he kind of never gives you that production that makes you like stand on a table in a soapbox and say, Jimmy Butler is a superstar. But every time this guy gets into the playoffs, he just has a way about winning playoff rounds. I am still angry that we lost to the eighth seed Miami Heat. And I don't think that it's because of anything Jimmy Butler did that was special. But Tom Thibodeau recognized Jimmy Butler and said, that guy's not going to beat us. So when guys continuously give you that respect around the league and you just slip, fall and stumble into the NBA finals two out of four years, then I kind of I like it's just again, because of my own definition of I need to see it in the playoffs because I'm always seeing this guy in the final rounds of the playoffs. I personally have to call him a superstar. So again, it's just my definition kind of. I guess pigeonholes me into selecting certain guys and leaving different guys off. But um, that's just how I, it's how I view the game. And I do view the regular season. I do view the, po- like when it comes to product productivity, I do weight the postseason a little bit heavier just because those games matter more. And especially in a salary cap league, and this is kind of what drives my thinking is the economics of basketball in a salary cap league. We have to give guys max contracts, right? And Basically, everybody, you, you sign one or two max contracts a season. 
Fred Van Vliet basically got a max contract last year. Is not a superstar. So in a league where at a certain point of productivity, you're guaranteed a max contract, I have to like sort through because if I'm giving you this max contract, I can't give it to other guys because of the way the, the way the cap is set up. So if I'm going to be giving you 50, 55 million, 60 million, hello, Jalen Brown, if I'm going to be giving you that kind of money, then you need to do so many things for me because I'm paying you an unfair amount of money relative to the rest of the league. So I'm going to hold you to an unfair standard. Jimmy Butler, when it comes to this unfair standard of nutting up in the playoffs, always, always is dragging his nuts across basketball courts. So <laughs> I just personally have to have him as a superstar. So I think that wraps up. Yeah, you go ahead. You can go ahead. I just want to ask a real quick question then you could go, Sean. So does it matter? Because this is actually for both of you. So does it matter as far as like, like I said, I'm predicting forward. Does it matter to each of you as far as Jimmy's durability? So he's played the most games he's played is 65 in the last like since like 2000 and I don't know, 13 or something like that. The most games that he's played is 65 games in a season. He has a ton of miles on him. As we know, he's 34 years old. Do you all, do you both think he can still do it this year and beyond? Because to me, that's what matters is like, is he going to do it? Can he do it? That's the whole point as opposed to what has he done? What has he proven? Will he continue to do it? It's relevant. Um, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll jump on because Jimmy is my guy. So, um, I do think that the durability does matter because it adds into the productivity. But for some reason, Jimmy Butler is always healthy in the playoffs, except for when Josh Hart dives at him and tries to take him out. Ooh, oh my God! Like, <laughs> except for cases like that, Jimmy Butler just happens to be um, healthy. And and when it comes to so that, again, it's it's almost like he's the exception to the rule for me because yeah, he's not always healthy in the regular season that prevents his teams from getting that second, that third, that first seed because the Miami Heat are never there. They're never in the top four, right? They're always like an underdog and they love to be the underdog because heat culture and rah, 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 but he just happens to get it done. And maybe this is, maybe this is the situation where like in football, where everybody thought it was either Brady or Belichick, we realized it's Brady. Um, it maybe it could be like the Spolstra Jimmy thing. Maybe it could be a little bit more Spolstra there, but I just have to, I got to put him in, even though like acknowledging everything, all the flaws, I just have to list him as a superstar. Sure. They can make the finals this year. Um, as long as they get to play the one C where their best player plays only five quarters, or if they move the playoffs to a YMCA in Lake Buena Vista, Florida again. <laughs> uh, that's that's a great answer. If Miami beats, if Miami takes out either of this Celtics team, if they're healthy, or this Bucks team, then yeah, I'm I'm back on Jimmy. Jimmy's a superstar then, but I can't and see to, it happening. And to be oh. fair, they made the conference finals at 22, but you know, but like like we're talking about finals here, and it's just like like for me, it's mitigating circumstances. Like, can you repeat that? And one, I don't know if you're going to get to be the one, get to play the one seed where their best player misses five, only is healthy for five quarters. And Lord knows, I don't want to see another playoffs in a YMCA in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. So, look, look to actually's point, if it happens, I'll shut, I'll shut the hell up. So I'll I'll just jump in because I wow, I didn't actually answer the question. Um, so can they do it? <laughs> Probably not, but because they needed Gabe Van Vliet. And they needed um they Gabe needed, Van Vliet would be nice, bro. <laughs> they needed like Gabe Vincent. Yeah, not they needed him to 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 be insane, Mr. Gabe. Yeah, that's why I call him Gabe Van Vliet, because he looked like Fred Van Vliet out there last year. Um 
and then we and then um what's the what's the Martin brothers' name? Like they needed like oh, Ke- the Caleb Jake, Martin. Yeah, Caleb Martin. They needed like Jake Cole to sign off on him and give him superpowers. So like that was important for them. And then of course, um we had Kevin um Kevin Love turning to Wes Unseld. It was insane. Well, but, Kevin Love actually always has been Wes Unseld. Um but he's he, but I mean like 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 you said you can't keep getting away with it brother it's year 16 like please like I, I don't want to see it anymore but is there a way for them to do it sure they upset somebody in the first round then they get Philly in the second round Philly wets the bed because they always do and then somehow some way they beat the they beat either Boston or um Milwaukee it's possible is it going to happen probably not I think the, the NBA is officially too talented for Miami with where their roster is at to pull the same, you know, rabbit out of a hat again. Um, yeah, SGA. all right. I think this was... Hold on. SGA. I want to I, I, I get back to SGA. Um, yes, the production is there. But to me, I guess for me, SGA is like, okay, when you... I guess as I think about it now... So, like every one of the people I have on my list, I've seen them do something in the playoffs, like something like, you know, like, you know, make it. <laughs> so that's why I have SGM. Like, like when they try to make you play left-handed, what happens? So that's why I'm kind of like SGM. Like, like that's the only, like if everyone's list combined, that's the only one where I'm just like, I'm just like out on now. It could change. He can get there, but I'm just out on it. I just want to say about SGA, like, so to me, again, this is why it's theoretical. At least my list has a lot of theoretical components. I don't see what about his game would be shut down in the playoffs. He can play a half court game. He can literally get to the rim no matter what. Like you cannot stop this person from getting to the rim. It's absolutely insane. If you look at drives per game, he's obviously led the league. I think the last three years this year, he has 20. He's averaging 22 drives to the hoop per game. The second best is Luka Doncic, who's averaging four less and then all uh, the list after that is all like 17.8, 17.7, 17.7, 17.2. Shea Gilgis Alexander is on a different category than the rest of the NBA in terms of getting to the hoop. And I don't see how that would be stopped in the playoffs. If they're, if you're, they're going to construct the defense to stop SGA from getting to the hoop, everybody in OKC is going off. Is They're going to just be raining threes. So to me, I just don't see what about his game wouldn't translate, especially, you know, I just mentioned that aspect on the defensive end. He's a, a menace, you know, a 4% steal uh, percentage, which is like prime Chris Paul level stuff uh, from the point guard position. His size, his strength, his shooting from the mid range is elite, elite, like one of the best of the last like five years in terms of his elite, uh, his mid range uh, efficiency. I just don't see what would what would change in the playoffs. Like, what are you going to do to stop him? It's funny you say like you well, he's relentless and you know he gets to the hoop. No one can stop him getting to the hoop. You know who no one can sell stop getting to the hoop? John Moran. And not one of us mentioned his name. John Moran is like not a third <laughs> of the defensive player that SGA is. Like it's not even no, I just, they're not yeah. in the same ballpark, you know. But offensively, they're they're comparable in some ways. I mean, SGA is more efficient from the mid range, of course, but just defensively, there's no conversation to have, yeah. you know. I, yeah, I just like 
And I, so I'm glad you brought up the offensive stuff because I'm just like, because there's a lot of guys that like are really good at getting to the rim, rim and really good at scoring at the rim that, you know, like for example, like, which I think is a good segue because I just want to run off these names of people who are not superstars, who people throw this superstar label on and they are not. Hi, Trey Young. Hi, Donovan Mitchell. Hi, Damian Lillard. Hi, Tyrese Halliburton. Hello, DeMar DeRozan. Please. None, none of that. None of that. DeRozan? Listen, <laughs> who who I, says I DeRozan? <laughs> you are too deep <laughs> on Twitter, my friend. Have you, I, I'm about to say, like, have you, like, have, have you heard of the internet? <laughs> like, wow. Can we, can we, can internet we, says some crazy things, man. <laughs> can we, all right. So I know uh, we're like running late and we got to wrap up soon, but I just have, I just have, because this whole start, this whole, this whole thing started because of one player. So since I have my man XJ here, you didn't mention Tyrese Halburn. Even though no, I did, I did, I did. I had I had him in my 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 kind of speculative list along with Luca, Kawhi, LeBron, and Halliburton. Th- th- okay. Those were my four that I had there. He, I don't have I, Halliburton as like a locked in like for sure superstar, but I have him as like I believe he is. Um, okay. So that's why I had him a, a slight tier below. But yeah, I still have him up there. Mitchell, should I share the take that me and you me and you agree on on Mr. Halliburton and put it on wax and, and, and fear that if it blows up, we'll be cooked for all time? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Neither me or Mensa believe that Tyrese Halliburton will ever be the best player on a championship contender. Not never. Number two, absolutely. Number three, for sure. Number one, like, oh, that's the guy? No. What say you? Why are we bugging Mr. XJ? Because my guy is not even 24 years old yet. <laughs> that's a pretty big fair. <laughs> that's a pretty big f- proclamation for a guy who's on his fourth year in the NBA is not 24 years old yet. So Very fair. Um, I will just say this, that take is on wax. And I will just say that that you didn't make any caveats about the fact that of what team he's on, if he has better teammates, et cetera, et cetera. You said he has to be the best player on the championship team. I acknowledge that. But if he has a better second and third best player and he improves, given that he's probably not in his prime yet, I, I'm i going to bookmark this. <laughs> I think, look, I think that's fair. Um, the one thing that, because again, I like to, I do like I understand that the eye test isn't better than the statistical evidence, right? But when I watch a guy play and because I've been watching basketball long enough, I kind of lean on my gut a little bit, which again sounds crazy for a guy who's on Nick's film school, but just watching the game, um Tyrese Halliburton, I don't think he has the wiggle necessary to be the I don't think he has the east-west juice is what I would call it to to beat guys and how he's been able to get around that is he's just like, no problem. I'll just shoot it from 27 feet. I don't care if I can't get to the basket. So it's it's incredible the way he's been able to, at this point in his career, how he's been able to mask his own deficiencies. I just think that as you get closer to a championship, that those deficiencies become more um, open. And one thing that I will say is that even though I don't believe that he has the East-West juice necessary, he is, in terms of like height and weight, he is like, a 90 plus percentile athlete for the point guard position. He's taller than most point guards and he'll probably be heavier than most point guards at some career at some point in his career. So there is a chance that this guy, if he does become a guy who makes me look stupid, 
I think it'll be because he adds a strength element of his game, just overpowering dudes smaller than him because guys are smaller than him. And if like if Tyrese Halliburton decides, you know what, I'm just going to cook you in the mid range post, then sure. God bless. But I personally don't see it coming. Just to that point really quick. I I was going to say the same thing you brought it. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up. He's six, five. He's one eighty five. He has room to bulk up. And again, he's twenty three years old going on twenty four guys do tend to take a leap in terms of their ability to get to the rim as they get stronger, as they get older, um, as their body kind of fills out. So I, I don't think that that's something that's definitely set in stone as far as a limitation that he has. And I also want to say, you would say Devin Booker's pretty good at getting to the rim, right? Yeah, definitely. You would say Jalen Brunson's pretty good at getting to the rim, right? He's excellent. Okay. Tyrese Halliburton has uh, 16 drives per game. Right behind Devin Booker at 16.1, right ahead of Jalen Brunson at 15.3, shoots a better percentage than both of those guys and obviously has a better assist percentage and a lower turnover rate than both of those guys. So, I mean, he, he can get to the rim, maybe not the same way that those guys get there, but he gets there. So you say, well, it's because he's 24 years old. You don't want to rule him out. You know who else is a point guard that's 24 years old? John Morant. Why are we why why are we ruling him out? He likes guns too much. <laughs> <laughs> he believes in his Second Amendment right way too much for an NBA basketball player. <laughs> that is why we ruled him out. So really quickly, I want to just because this is a Knicks podcast, and I do want to tie it into a Knicks theme thing. We're gonna play a quick game, right? So I'm just gonna use my list. I don't know if you guys want to add anybody, but this is kind of like the list, and I'm gonna take Jimmy off the list because we don't agree on Jimmy. But guys that we believe either are superstars or are theoretical superstars, right? So this is the list. LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic, Giannis, Curry, Tatum, Luka, SGA. Any objections so far? I'd push back in SGA, but I I understand the the thought process. So it's not okay. it's not wild. So we'll leave him. How about you, XJ? S- same take for Luka, but it's fine. Like I, I have Luka okay. pretty much there. Perfect. All right. So we're going to play a game called Are These Guys Available in a Trade for the New York Knicks? All right. LeBron <laughs> James, game. available for a trade? Yes or no, XJ? <laughs> he, he is not available for a trade to the Knicks, no. All right. Let's cross that one off. Kawhi Leonard, Sean, is he available in a trade for the New York Knicks? That's a negative M6. All right. Sounds good. Let's keep it moving. Uh, Nikola Jokic, XJ, is that guy available for a trade? Man, if only. Nah, Nikola Jokic is not available for a trade to the New York Knicks. All right. So for those counting at home, we are 0 for 3. Sean, is Giannis Antetokounmpo available in a trade for the New York Knicks? This season? No. Okay. Let's keep it moving. XJ, Stephen Curry, is that guy coming to the New York Knicks anytime soon? Steph Curry will, unfortunately, it pains me to say, will never be a New York Knick at this stage. Sounds good. All right. So let's move on. Jason Tatum. Sean, is Jason Tatum available in a trade for the New York Knicks? Uh, Sources say no. Okay. I trust those sources. Let's move on. Luka Doncic. XJ, is Luka Doncic available in a trade for the New York Knicks, especially after what we did to Jalen Brunson? Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. No. But I. This is. I wouldn't rule. Could be out. at some point. Uh, yeah. Not. But season. right now. Today. Right now. No. 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 Oh, and not, December twenty second, twenty twenty three. Can we trade for Luka Doncic? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. No. And Sean on December twenty second, twenty twenty three, is SGA available in a trade for the New York Knicks? Not while Sam Presti's alive. All right, great. Now let's go to a bonus round. On December 22nd, 2023, is Joel Embiid available on a trade XJ? Definitely not. He's not going anywhere. Okay, so we are all for everything. Complete zeros, right? So if the New York Knicks cannot trade for any of these guys, and these are the guys that we believe are bona fide superstars, why, oh, why, mainstream media, do you continue to make it about the superstar? Why can we not just enjoy the things we have? Why can't we enjoy Jalen Brunson? Why can't we enjoy Julius Randle? Why can't we enjoy Emmanuel Quickly, Isaiah Hartenstein? I like Quentin Grimes. I love R.J. Barrett. The New York Knicks are above 500 for the um, five games above 500 for the first time in 10 years, but I have to hear every time I turn on a television set that the New York Knicks can't be celebrated because they don't have a superstar and they are just I, right? Well, everybody in the NBA that does not have LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Steph Curry, Tatum, Luka, SGA, or Embiid basically should stop playing basketball games, according to you guys, because they don't have a superstar. But unfortunately, this is the business of basketball. I get to jump on the podcast and be angry or be happy because of the games that are played by 30 different basketball teams. So I just question why in the middle of December, four four days five days, three days before Christmas. Why is it that we have to have these theoretical conversations and why can't we just enjoy the regular season as it is? We can't get to the playoffs yet. We, As much as you guys would like to, we can't fast forward four or five months. So we got to live in December. So when we're in December, let's just enjoy the things we have. That is all I ask. And that is my final monologue. XJ, if you have anything to add, it's up to you. No, I think that's tremendous. I think that's extremely well said. I totally agree with you. It's like it, it, it's really crazy. It's like uh, it's like we're listening to to Wu Tang Clan. We're like, yo, this is dope. They're they're really good. And and then everybody else is like, but they don't have Andre three thousand. It's like okay, like I, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Like like why are we talking about that? It's it's weird. So I I think that's a great point that you're making. And I one hundred percent cosign. It's it's wild stuff. Very wild. We just just find other things to talk about is all I'm saying. Sean, how about you? I'm going to take a... So everything you said makes sense. I, I, I have a different I have a different response to it. Um, I, I, I ask every one of you who... Every one of you who bleed orange and blue listen, that's listened to the sound of my voice, stop being triggered by ESPN. As I've said before on this, uh, on this podcast, my friend Roger Anderson says the 24-hour news cycle demands fake news. They, they demand fake news. Listen, heavy is the crown. Heavy is the crown. We are New York. This is why they do this. And the same people who go on the internet and tell you New York is whack and it's overrated and it smells and no one cares and it's a relevant place are the same people that eat this shit up and love to watch Becky Hammond and Malika Andrews and 
Brian Windhorst debate the, the the merits of the New York Knicks without a superstar, right? Listen, I always remember Mark Berman was on KFN. This is during the pandemic. It was 2020. And at the end, John asked me a question about the coverage of the team. And Mark said it then. He's like, you don't understand. Outside of New York, they eat that shit up. Period. End of story. So heavy is the head that wears a crown. Please stop being triggered by the four-letter network ESPN, Bleacher Report, Twitter, Fox News, whoever. Like, just let it go. Like, it's stupid, but that's what they do. So I just, I just, I, I like, honestly, I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. So to sum up what we all just had to say, they should shut the hell up, but we also shouldn't listen. So instead of listening to ESPN or FS1 or whoever you want to listen to, you should continue to tune in to Nick's Film School and listen to the casuals. Check out what DJ and and, and um, Benji have for you. Check out what John has for you. Check out what my guy Jeremy Cohen has for you. Check out what Andrew Claudio has for you. Check out what APJP and everybody who's involved at Nick's Film School. Check out what Nick's Fan TV has for you. Check out what the Strickland has for you and so many other content creators in this space that are giving you good stuff. Shout out everybody. Shout out what we're doing. And this is the New York Knicks. This is Casual Friday. Shout out to us. Shout out to you. Shout out to Chris Percyinen. Shout out to, again, every single person who does everything that we tune into to make the regular season enjoyable. And even though we can have superstar discussions, these are all in theory. We are enjoying a regular season of basketball. So for XJ, for Sean, for Mensa, this is Casual Friday. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.